In today's episode, we're jumping back in the ballpark to talk fan experience. From Engagement, I'm David Millay, and this is Flip the Switch. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back after a long hiatus to Flip the Switch. It's the podcast show that I host. Uh, I enjoy it, but you wouldn't know that by the kind of break that we just took. But I am excited to get back to it. We have got a ton of great guests lined up that we are recording sessions with here in December. We're going to start being a lot more active on social media. Uh, We're going to start hyping up guests before they come on so that you guys can jump in and ask questions ahead of time and we can factor them into the guest guides. But yeah, welcome back to Flip the Switch. We are here. And today we have a great episode for you. We've got Eric Weisberg, the Vice President of Fan Experience for the Tampa Bay Rays. Now, if you've never listened to Flip the Switch before, here's a little bit about the show. We tend to sit down with leaders in customer experience and employee experience, organizations that are trying to turn customers into fans of all types. And we sit down with them and we try to understand what are the trends that they're paying attention to? What are the experiments that they're running in their organizations? What are the principles that have guided them to success throughout their career? And we try to learn all those things from our guests and apply them to your organization. Today, as I mentioned, we are sitting down with Eric, the vice president of fan experience for the Tampa race. He was named the vice president of fan experience just recently here a a year ago in December, 2021, following five seasons where he led the marketing and creative services department for the Rays. Um, he has got a really cool background and we know each other because of our Disney connection. We like to find people that have worked in Disney and now have gone on to do other really cool things, especially in the sports world. Uh, Eric is one of those people. So I, he gives a little bit about his intro, so I won't give a ton, but just know that it's a really fun episode where we talk about his different ideas that he's tasked his team to look into, uh, hot takes that he's got about the sports industry and hospitality and services. Uh, it's a great episode. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode with my friend, Eric Weisberg. Eric, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. I am pumped to get in with you. It has been a while since we've had anybody from the MLB on the show. Uh, and now that we're in the off season, perfect time to start to unpack all the things that you guys are working on, uh, and, and what's new in the world of the MLB and specifically with the race. Um, so once again, welcome to the show. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks. Yeah. It's, there's really no such thing as an off season anymore. So, I mean, really it's still mile a minute running pretty hard. And so I'm excited to be here. When you, you, you showed us something earlier outside of your window, tell us what you got going on outside your office right now. Sure. We've got uh, Enchant, which is a Christmas show that is in eight different markets across the United States right now. Uh, that kicked off the day after Thanksgiving, goes until January the 1st. Um, and it's the world's largest light maze. Um, and it really is a, it's a great opportunity to, for our building to be utilized in the off season. Uh, but it's a really impressive display of, of lights and enchantment, really. It's a cool, it's a cool event. Let's, let's, I want to come back to this. Let's give a little bit of intro here. Um, so you and I know each other back from our, our Disney days almost. I mean, your Ray's days, but my Disney days, but I only know you because of our former colleague, Brent Sentlever, 
who you know quite well. So give us a little bit about your backstory as to how you got to the office that you're sitting in right now. Sure. Uh, you know, I started off on the Walt Disney World College program, uh, like so many, and I worked in outdoor foods at the Magic Kingdom and truly had a wonderful time, returned for a couple summers, uh, also as part of uh, the program and work at the 50s Primetime Cafe at the Disney, then MGM Studios. Uh, and then upon graduation from the University of Maryland, I decided to go down full time and I worked at the world famous Jungle Cruise and told wonderful jokes 30 times a day. And I realized it was something I could do when I'm 21, 22 years old. I'm probably not going to do, you know, when I'm 30 or so. And did that for a few months, came across uh, a film crew one day. And there was a woman by the name of Terry White that was with a film crew. And I just started talking, I was out there as a greeter and I just started talking to her, talked about, that was my degree. I was a radio, TV and film degree major. And, um, you know, and she's like, Hey, I could use someone like you to work as a coordinator. And, um, within a few months, I was actually, she would bring me into projects. I worked on TV and radio broadcast promotions. And literally we, I just started working with mainly her for, for a couple of years, uh, before a reorg that happened within the organization within Disney. And all of a sudden there was a full-time spot open for me. So I was able to really continue all the way through uh, to be a, a manager uh, working on those promotions for a number of years and, and had just an absolute wonderful time working on everything from, you know, local to just domestic and international television and, and radio. And got to really partake in some cool things like the opening of the Animal Kingdom, the Disney Cruise Line uh, in 1998 to the world's largest press event for the 25th anniversary in 1996. Super cool. And then after that, uh, you immediately started working after the, with the Rays? Or tell us about where you, how you got no. to where you are now. Sure. So that in the late 90s, I was at a conference having dinner with some folks from the ABC radio networks. And um, basically within a few hours they said hey we'd love to have you join our team sure so i uh i moved over to dallas and worked for the abc radio networks and, and radio disney and for the next three years i uh, was at radio disney uh, in charge of special events had a wonderful time my job was i was traveling the country we we would take a a, a talent along and we would create um hour-long specials live from the red carpet so movie premieres show premieres it was really, really fun uh, to do so. But I also hit a point in my life. I, at the time, got married. We were living in Dallas. She got offered a promotion, moved to Kansas City. And, and for the first time in my life, I really hit some, some challenges, some, some roadblocks. And I started at um, Harris Casino and lasted five months. I, I couldn't, I averaged a day off a month and had a challenging time. I worked in promotional marketing and sold logo pens in the sort. I just, I couldn't find my footing. I went back to the local um, Radio Disney affiliate there, which is fairly new. And they, they had a, like an FM person. They're not a, I guess, a true Disney individual. And I got fired. Uh, I got fired six months in the job. It was, I was wanting, wanted what? to quit, honestly. It was just a bad experience, but it was the first time. And it was really a, a wake up call to who I was and where I want to go in direction in my life. And at that time, there was an opening over at the Kansas City Zoo in operations. And I was like, 
I could do that. Even before my interview, after I had just applied, I went to experience it. I had never been there and had an absolute terrible experience there. Um, the lines were long. They ran out of food. And so when I was able to get the interview, you know, why do you want this job? And so I was really able to talk about hopefully what I could bring to this position based on some negative experiences I had, which obviously is not going to be all the way through. And here's what I want to do. Was able to get hired. I was there for about eight years and it was a wonderful experience. We were able to build um, upon the operations and really working with some amazing staff members. We created a leadership development program was that received some national um, accreditation or national accolades of sorts and was able to present over at the uh, AZA um, conference. And so it was really amazing to be part of that, to really watch this, the growth and, and really the overall experience of, of, of the guests coming to the zoo then. And so it took me to late uh, November of 2007, saw a posting on Teamwork Online for a manager of customer service for Tampa Bay Rays. And I was like, sure, I love baseball. I played a little bit in college, loved the game, always wanted to be around it. I didn't have the sports experience but I was hired out of, you know, 500 or so applicants. And really what I love about this organization then as it, that is still today true is we, we really, we want to work with people. We want to, we take chances on individual. Um, the service industry is the service industry. And just because I'm looking, overlooking a baseball field does not mean that I have to have baseball experience to work in the service industry, to oversee a staff, to manage, to make sure there's a great fan experience. And I am so glad they took the chance on me. And it really, I was able to blossom under my, my vice president at the time. His name was Darcy Raymond, who was such a mentor to me and, and really was such a next level thinker. And so it just pushed me to do much more, to tr to try things. Yeah. And um, so did that for nine years, went from manager up to a, a senior director. And we were going through some changes organizationally through some stadium things. And I was asked to sort of help build the marketing team, sort of rebuild marketing. And we were building a creative services, like an in-house agency. And even though my true marketing days were years behind, they, I know the brand, I know who we are. I, Again, goals to build relationships. My build, goals to always build those teams. And we did that. And so I was elevated to a, a vice president for the last five years. Um, oversaw the marketing and creative services team until this past year, going into the 2022. And it was, let's recreate or, or I, I the new fan experience. And so yeah. when I oversee now FanX, which is our service, it's our stadium operations and game presentation. And there really is so much you know, overlap between the departments. So that's sort of the long version of my career. This is, this is why I don't interrupt all the time. Uh, sometimes I'd like to, where I'm like, Ooh, there's something good there. There's something good there. Cause I'm like, Oh, now I got to prioritize. And one other thing I wanted to hit on that you talked about, uh, and I, I don't always see this in sports. I wish I saw more of it, but it's something that I learned at Disney Institute when I was working with Brent and we were starting up the sports industry with Disney Institute. And I mm -hmm. came to Disney Institute to work in sports, right? That that was what I got brought in for. Uh, that was my passion. And as I got promoted, I started, I took over the, the GM relationship for a little bit working with dealerships. And I was, I took over uh, the New York market working with everything that wasn't sports. And I was really resistant to it because I was like, I don't know anything about 
you know, a scent laboratory? How am I going to help them with service or culture or leadership? And what I learned really quickly was whether you're working with a car dealership or a sports team, to your point, hospitality is got the same core principles, no matter what vertical you're in. And I think sometimes in sports, there are too many senior leaders that think, oh, you got to have 10 years of experience in sport. And unless you're a coach, I don't really see how that applies all the time. I hate it. There are so many times where, whether it be our, within maybe some verticals that we have or even other clubs, where when they put out job descriptions, even for, you know, entry level, must have experience in the fill in the blank. My question is why? I look for, on the, especially on our, our side on the service side, I look for people. You could work at a theme park. You could work at a Starbucks. Did you train people? Did you coach? Were you, were you coachable? How did you learn? How did you grow? How did you develop? What have you learned from a relationship standpoint? That's what we're in. We're in the relationship business, right? right? I mean, we're a, a baseball stadium. We're a seasonal gated attraction. We're open from the end of March until hopefully late in October uh, for 81 to uh, 90 plus games uh, a year. And it's about giving people just a wonderful experience for those short three to four hours that they're here. So I don't care if they've worked in an arena. It's great, but I want to see other levels and I want to see how other, you know, you work in a restaurant, you are dealing with a lot of anger. You might've worked in the airlines. There's a lot of anger. How you overcome that is huge. And it really, uh, there's so many things that translate across perfectly you know, with those industries no when, for here, for our staff. No question. All right. Well, we, let's jump into the juicy stuff. Uh, now, for those of you listening, if this is your first time, uh, what we do to prep our guests here is we send them a Google Doc and it's got a bunch of different topics. And we always ask our guests, we say, hey, if you've got anything you want to talk about, feel free to put it into the Google Doc. Rarely does anybody actually put their own topics in, unless they're like promoting a book or something or other. Um, but you put some juicy topics in here. So why don't we jump into them? Uh, let's let's start with sure. the first one. We got fan host for a day. Tell me about that. What is, what is that concept? What's that idea? It, it is something that honestly, at, at Disney, when you had to cross you for a day, uh, it is it was incredibly important for me when I came here. What I, I learned is that not everyone, most people have no idea what our staff does on a day-to-day -day basis. Number one, number two, they don't know who the staff is. And we have about 300 of our fan hosts. That's the ushers, ticket takers, and the sort that work here. And they have such a varied background. And for us, the you know, it's age 18 or so to in the nineties, we have people who have been in wars. We've got former doctors and lawyers and authors and their backgrounds are absolutely amazing. So I remember bringing this to our, our president early on saying it would be great if, and so it was, well, how would you do it? Well, we pick out a few days throughout the year. Um, and that's Eric, exactly what we started to do. We, we, yeah. let me, I'm going to pause you real quick. Explain, you, you, mess, you mentioned cross you. Explain what a cross you is so that people can have a base concept before we get into like the specifics of your Absolutely. Idea. So across you, if I'm not mistaken, was we'll just say people that worked in the corporate areas within Disney um, on the full-time side needed to spend a four-hour shift or thereabouts in a parks or, or a hotel or in the resort area doing sort of boots-on-the-ground style work, whether that means working in retail, working in a food and beverage area, something of that sort. 
Yeah. It, and for, for additional context there, it was really cool because your, your Harvard, uh, lawyer was out there popping popcorn during the Christmas season, the holiday season, because everybody had to stay in touch with our bigger purpose of creating happiness. And that was an opportunity for one, for us to get some more to labor at a, uh, at a reduced price. Right. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it really was great because it gave you a sense of like, yes, I'm in an office crunching numbers on the revenue or the accounting side, and now I'm taking tickets for the day. Uh, but it gave you just a totally new appreciation for what we do and what our end product was. Mm -hmm. So additional context. Now let's go back to your, okay, so how would you do the idea? Yeah. And, and so we really laid out, it was probably eight or nine different dates. And to your point regarding the labor, we did it on days where we had giveaways and we may be a little bit short staffed on that. We did it on days where we're a little busier. So any assistance uh, is a plus and, and a bonus. So our president was fully on board. So we did this from owner on down. And so every single person. And so I remember our first year we did this in 2008, our local Fox affiliate did a I think a little TV piece, a little TV hit on it. And Andrew Friedman, at the time was our, our general manager, who's now with the Dodgers. And I remember they're saying, can you imagine a Steinbrenner doing it? And the answer is no, because they're not going to do it. This is who we are. Yeah. And the amount of compliments in just comments I've received that year, and then we'll say every year, basically ever since we, we've been doing it now for 15 seasons, minus COVID, is people go, I just had no idea. I had no idea. It really opens up so many levels. Number one, the, the, the relationship between front office and game day staff, which can be sometimes strained because it's like, they don't care about us. They don't know who we are, um, can happen, but it's also a, wow, these are incredibly talented people. They choose to be here because they love the game. They choose to be here because they love to build relationship. Um, it has allowed a better relationship with myself, with the rest of the organization, other departments, because they also understand now what we're going through and they understand what we're doing on, on a night to night basis. And so it just, it opened up so many eyes. And I, again, I, I've talked to the other clubs at our conferences about this concept. And I remember there was a certain team who I'll just say they went to their president and they sort of got laughed at Yeah, do that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is, again, it's who we are. And we, we really, we wear this cape, we wear it with honor um, because it's just, it's, we are one team, right? And, and it's the way it should always be. How, how have y'all kept it from becoming flavor of the month? Because I think there are a lot of teams or organizations of any type, doesn't need to be a sports team, that try an initiative like this. It maybe goes well, maybe is a work in progress. Um, and they do it one year, maybe two years, and then it flops and they forget about it. How have y'all kept this so consistent? What's been the key to your consistency? It's buy-in from the top and our owner, Stu, loves it. Uh, our presidents, Matt Silverman, Brian Ald, Eric Neander from the baseball side, they're all on board and they make sure that every single one of their people sign up. And when that happens, I remember we did one, we do, um, when we used to do a senior, a, a senior prom for senior citizen um, and like we gave tuxedo shirts to wear. And I remember Eric Neander, who again is our president of baseball operations, wearing a goofy 
tuxedo t-shirt, but because he bought in, because yeah. he did that, the rest of his, his team does. And, you know, and just like basketball, baseball, hockey, football, whatever it is, the operational side of, of the sport and the rest of the business sometimes are, are not connected. And here we are together. Why? This is one of those reasons, um, because it takes so much to put it on. This is one of those initiatives where, I mean, we, we've talked about it with a number of our clients and we've pitched this a number of times and it, it's hard because the second that you have a senior leader say, yeah, this is great for my team to do, but you know, I'm with, I'm with donors or, you know, I've got this and this on that date. So I can't do it. The second that that has it, someone right below him will say that. And then before you know it, it trickled out and it's gone. So this is one of those initiatives where you do have to have leadership buy in. I love it. And. I will say not everyone loves it. There are people in other departments who are like, uh, they sort of dread it. And then they get down, you know, they're in, they're in our uniform. They're in our, our fan host Jersey. They see it. And not everyone loves it. The reality sure is that everybody the loves it, but it, it, there. But it, but it gives a perspective, right? The impact is there. Too. Agree. Um, all right. Well, let's, let's talk about your next idea here. Uh, secret shoppers. Uh, you got a little hot yeah. take around secret shoppers. Oh, uh, I do. I, I, I think secret shoppers really do a, a, a great service. I, I do. And there's just really, they You can, you can deliver extensive. hot takes here. You can deliver um, as hot, as hot, as hot a take as you want to give on this podcast. You can give it. Just keep going. They're, they keep can going. be very expensive. I, 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 um, I, I think it's very expensive for the return. Um, people can, can receive back and, and it's not for a lack of effort it's not for the lack of, of what they provide most interactions in a facility like this are very quick it's a ticket it's it's a it's very transactional at parking uh, a ticket did i get a giveaway where is the closest restroom do you have a recommendation uh, on food and beverage most people don't have time to spend five minutes talking about you know, the designated hitter in, in, in old time baseball. And so there are time, and I will say, like, I do not oversee concessions in March. So maybe there's some certain news that might be better. So we, we wanted to do something. I, I still want to make sure that our staff is doing what they're supposed to be doing. And I will also say that most secret shoppers only provide a very small sliver on a per game basis. Um, so, you know, we, Talk to everybody that calls or, or writes an email, whether it be a positive or negative. And there are times when you connect, right? They get it. They understand it. Because um, usually if there's a negative experience, I always ask, have you been here before? Oh, my God, absolutely. It's always been a wonderful time. This is, this is why I'm calling. And so the, there's people that get it. And so when that occurs, um, it's been, all right, would you like to help make some change here? Would you like, you know, to, to help us? And usually it's sure. What do I have to do? And so I sort of float this idea. I think pay forty or fifty dollars a game. I sort of explain what we do, and most of the individuals have been. Yeah, we'd love to, and it's been great. We honestly we did stop with COVID, and we have not picked it up since. And I hopefully we'll do that again. But it's been game changing. It truly has. One, I can isolate who we want to see, what we want to, you know, from, from the individual, I get a much larger number on a per game basis and get 15 to 20. Um, 
if there's any issues, I know right off the bat what's happening because I've gotten calls of, hey, we saw someone stealing this or we saw someone doing this. Great. I've also gotten compliments right off the bat. We, we can actually do something. And what's also cool is when it comes around, we put them through these shoppers through our own training. So they understand what the right. expectations are. Right. So right. it's not just some random person from a secret shopper company. Again, no offense to secret shopper companies, but it, who, that may be an expectation, but it may not. Right. I, so that, I, that's so great. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. No, because of that, it, what? It's, yeah. it's, it's been fun. So I, I get really passionate about it because I, I just, I know how much money is spent on shoppers and you know, and, and I've talked to enough people, you know, probably 90% of those people, what those grades are going to be like those scores. And it's, it's important to know that, which is true. Hey, you think they're a good staff member? Are we sure? And, and these, this, but with this, I get so much more. It, I think this works for um, baseball or the NBA uh, or another hospitality or service-based business where you are doing things on a repetitive basis. I think it's harder for our football teams to do it because you know your 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 fans probably not going to give up ten percent of their season ticket to come do do a secret shopper. But what? A, oh, go ahead. But maybe I'm wrong. These are these are single game buyers, though. These are people. Yeah, these are not that. season ticket holders. That's even better. Even better because to me that gives them. I, I, what I love about it most is you you're taking a bad experience. You're inviting them in, and you're saying, "Hey, help us and show us. Like, show us. Point us out what you would do different." And you're you're showing a humbleness by doing that, which oftentimes is going to take that negative experience and totally wipe that away from people. Because most of the time they just want to know that you're not a jerk to them, right? They don't, they don't, they want to know that if they got a bad experience that you regret it and you'd like to do something different. And then they come see how it's supposed to be by going through your training and they say, oh, well, you know, maybe I just had a one-off experience that was bad because for the most part, I'm seeing some good things. I know how they were trained. And now you take their intent to say bad things or not return and maybe turn that into an intent to return and recommend. And all of a sudden we've got champions, brand ambassadors for yeah. us and, and calling it what it is, you know, in any location that serves the public, there's going to be negative experiences. The hope is there's a whole lot more positive and that's what we do. We lead by again, building those relationships, also showing empathy because guess what? If it happened and there, we want to, we are apologizing. We are sorry that they had a bad experience and we are going to do what it takes to make sure that they have a better one the next time out. And whether that means they're active as a shopper or I'm just bringing you out for another game, we're going to make sure you have a good experience. I love it. Uh, this reminds me similarly to our friends over at Savannah Bananas. Uh, Jesse comes on the show every year, but uh, they do a cool, a cool program called Undercover Fan, which basically takes your first two concepts. And instead of cross viewing to help, they cross you full time employees in, you know, in finance or accounting or whatever it might be and say, Hey, go be a fan for a day and come back to us. Uh, and that every employee mm -hmm. has to do that. And they're looking for those friction points. Uh, and it just gives everybody an appreciation for, Hey, here's what the operations team actually has Love to go it. through. And here's what our fans are saying. Um, well, let's talk about that. Uh, so Jesse comes on the show every year. Uh, we're a big fan of them. I mean, fans first, that mentality, uh, he's been pretty vocal about the MLB, um, needing to be more fun or be more fans first. Uh, and he'll, he'll tweet out things where you, you've got a low number of fans in the stadium and then it'll go back to his stadium that that's full and his wait list. And, um, 
So I, I'm, I'm curious as to, from an inside MLB perspective, kind of how do y'all view what they've done there? Are there lessons or is there, hey, we're super different because you are different in a lot of ways. Uh, it's not an apples to apples comparison. So I'm curious from, from somebody that's in fan experience in the MLB, what are y'all's opinions or thoughts on, uh, on Jesse and Savannah Bananas? Sure. This is my own opinion and probably not officially on behalf of others. All of, um, all, it's all of everything on here is your opinion and, and, and not anything of the Rays and the, the MLB. But go ahead. You know, I think the Bananas do an amazing job from an entertainment standpoint. Um, and that's what they are. They're entertainment. I know they have incredibly talented players uh, to be able to do the things that they do. But you go there as a fan, if I'm not mistaken, to be entertained. And they do a wonderful, wonderful job. It's not always a major league product. Um, and there are different levels, basically, you know, and, and, and different expectations, whether it be even from a, a fan standpoint. I, I think it's great. I think what Jesse has done is, is pretty amazing. I am sure I'll check out when they're on the world tour and they're in Tampa here uh, next year. Um, I love following their social. I think they've done a nice job. And what they've done is, is being able to sort of make it fun again. And, and I think that the overall fan experience of, across all sports are fun. I really, really do. But they just, they take it next level. Obviously, they're goofy. They're, you know, I remember they did sure. the, you know, if a fan caught a ball, it's an out. It's Harlem Globetrotter-esque, right? It's, you know, they're having, they're having fun. Um, and at the end of the day, that's what you're looking for. That's not a major league product. They're not trying to do that. They're trying to make sure you walk away with memories and just an overall experience of, again, I don't care about the score. I want to come back again. And that's, again, what we should all be trying to do, which is, shouldn't be about what the final score is. Did I have fun? Do I want to go back? Did I, yeah. you know, am I sampling the product for the first time? I want to make sure it's not the last time. All right. So, so now that you have taken back over, taken over this larger role where you're overseeing operations, fan experience, a bunch of different things. Um, talk to us about where you think now coming out of COVID too, we're going to have full stadiums and, and we've started to see that here in the last year. Um, talk to us about where you think the, the future of fan experience and live stadiums goes. What, what are you guys, what are you instructing your team? What kind of trends and things are you having your team look at to explore avenues for where the Rays might go next? Yeah, and that's the the fun part to see sort of where it's going. And at least from the MLB standpoint, it, you know, it's all on the phone. It's all um, through the ballpark app, which now everything from your tickets to your, you know, your wallet. Uh, and, and I think it, there's just so much more interactiveness that will be going in it. You know, we have done games here from the fantasy baseball to the bingos to the trivia. And again, everything is becoming piece of that and i know certain places is, is having the gambling uh, uh components that is going to be part of sort of that that experience that's not happening here uh, you know at least not in the state and not here for anytime soon but i know that that's i mean you've seen that right with um everyone watches their they're looking at their phone now more than anything but you, when you can pull up the replays and you can pull up specific angles, that's one thing I would love to be able to see is while sort of live, while the game is going on, you maybe you're, you're able to control your own camera 
being mm. able to play uh, games against, you know, an opponent that's, you know, randomly selected throughout the stadium to get prizing. Um, it just need it. We're, we're on that cusp of, of there. It just needs that, that one more thing. And whether that's on the tech side or even being simplistic, getting more involvement from the fans that are here watching the game, a little bit more involved. I love that idea of being able to control your cameras from the from the app, especially the ballpark app, right? I mean, you guys have invested, the league has invested so much, you know, in the creation of BAM Tech and having everybody be on the one app. So if you're not familiar, every MLB team is on the same app uh, and you all kind of run everything through that. Um, so being able to do that, because that's what the at-home viewer has, right? The at-home viewer has so many different options, especially when we think about football and like, you know, your Thursday night games, your Monday night games. Do I want to watch the Peyton and Eli broadcast? Do I want to watch right. uh, this camera angle or that camera angle? There's so many different ways. And I think as for, for this is one thing we've been harping on is just the future of fandom, what it looks like when you start to see all these studies coming out from from YouTube showing that uh, every every I think it's like 80 percent of Gen Z's know that they watch some type of content and are passionate about some type of content that none of their other friends like. And it's this, this concept of just personalization. And I think to your point, using the app, everybody's pushed there, being pushed there right now from an MLB perspective. How might we use the app to create even more greater personalization for our fans? Yep. I love that idea. And we're getting there because everything is second screen at this point. Everybody, I mean, heck, you watch the game at home, you still have this in hand, checking out other stuff. Um, and so it's going to continue and hopefully we'll only get better um, and get more immersive for everyone. Obviously, it's the AR, the, the, the virtual reality as well. Um, I know there's so much that can be done, again, on the tech side to, to get a much more immersive experience. Um, so I, that will just continue. And yeah. for me, I'm excited about that um, and to see where it can go. At the same time, from my staff and, and everything else, it's about making sure that Again, no matter the age, they're, they're having a good experience, that they don't feel that they have to have the app and have a second screen experience that they can just watch and enjoy. Um, and especially now with the new rules that are kicking in uh, next year, a three-hour and four-minute game should be right around 240, 245, which is a, a big change. It is. Well, let's let's talk about this. Uh, I, we talked about the app and different ways that you guys will use that I, I, we can't talk about baseball fan experience and not talk about promotions uh, and some of like the game themes and, and giveaways. What is your take on game promotions and themes and what does their future look like in the, in the future of fandom ecosystem for baseball? Hope it never ends. Uh, when I was on the marketing side, I, I oversaw our promotions and just basically being, you know, on that process to see the bobbleheads get made. And, you know, we start the year with 110 different ideas and then you whittle it down to whatever it may be. Um, and, and for us here at the race, we do an all fan giveaways. And we also do ones for kids specifically that are age 14 and under and really designing it and, and strategically finding the right days for, for that, uh, item, uh, which is okay, whether it's how, a Saturday you, for a bigger day, yeah, so it's, you know, it's, and we've taken different approaches here at the Rays over the years. You go big on big, you know, knowing that our Saturday nights, we're going to have the biggest crowd. Do we do, you know, when the Yankees are in town, we have a sold out night. 
knowing that a lot of these quote air quote Yankee fans are actually race fans in disguise, you know, they're going to take their item and put it on their desk or at home. You know, there's the concept and we've done it a little bit throughout the years and some other clubs do it, which is you try to provide a bigger lift on a, on a Tuesday night where, you know, where you maybe even during school where, you know, it may not be a, a t-shirt Tuesday of sorts. I, I love these. I love the promotions. I love theme nights. We used to do uh, post-game concerts here. Uh, unfortunately, we're not doing those anymore. But so a, it would be a country night. And we, we ask all of our staff to dress up. We do country promotions. Uh, uh, you know, everything on the board, everything is themed uh, for that. Now we are doing our Devil Rays uniforms. So we're sort of brought those back. Mm. So we do, it's like a 90s night or 1998 night. So from a graphical standpoint, really across the entire um, spectrum of a game presentation. Love it. How, how do you judge the success of a promotion? Like when, when y'all are doing and running these, I mean, how do you judge, what kind of KPIs are you looking for to say, yes, sure. this was a successful promotion or, you know, we probably invested too much in this and it didn't hit the way we, we wanted it to. Uh, it's, it's probably uh, twofold. Number one is the, the, the obvious, which is the lift, you know, in a comparative nature to a previous Saturday night or similar opponents, something of that sort. And traditionally, historically, uh, depending on the item, we, we've seen considerable lift, whether it's a bobblehead. Um, but there's also a buzz factor. And here at the Rays, we like to do things a little bit differently. And we have DJ Kitty, who is our sort of a secondary mascot. And we did two straight years of the weird and wacky. We did a, I had one here. Um, one was a actual mascot head giveaway that we, we gave to all fans. And we just turned it into a buzzy, you know, fly your freak flag type thing in, in the ad campaign around it because we know it's weird and it's different. We did a onesie. We did an adult onesie giveaway. And I guarantee, I think we're the only professional sports team to have ever given away an all fan onesie. I would have rocked it. Very expensive, very expensive. But when you're seeing 15, 18,000 people in Kenny onesies, uh, it's, I wish we had given us uh, records out there. I would have been pretty cool. Um, my, but there's uh, a, there is a buzz factor. <laughs> my, my, my good friend, Boren Sherwin, uh, who lives up in Philly now, she worked with Brent and I at Disney Institute. And I, you saying DJ Kitty made me think of, we, we must have gone to a game with you there. And we yeah. got, we got like a DJ Kitty hat. And every Friday she would wear it around the office and just like dance that's around. That's what I remember you told me about that. Yeah. D DJ Kitty. I forgot about that. But that's a prime example of like buzz. And yeah. that's a good giveaway and promotion that, keeps the rays in front of mind, right? Like that's, I, I love that one. Absolutely. And, and again, it, it, there is a, something to be said for that. And when there is lift and it does force people to get there early, it does allow them to, to really, you know, sample a game that they may not otherwise. And it's also one of the things like the concerts we do. Remember uh, Adam Lambert was here um, back, back in, in his heyday. And I felt like we had a, you know, a sampling of fans that had not been to games before. Um, and it just, it provides opportunities for people to go, I want to come out to a game. You know what? Tropicana Field may not have the best reputation nationally. The reality is on a local level, 
people that come here. And that, it, you know, that's for people that have not been here, right? When you come here, you realize, one, game certainty, 72 degrees, not really a bad seat in the house. Hey, this really isn't as bad as I thought it was. What are they talking about? And that happened during the World Series, during the postseason runs. And I also want the people that have not been to a game here locally to check it out. And, and these promotions and, and whatnot really help them. How do y'all go about marketing and bringing new fans into the ecosystem? Because I mean, I think about y'all's messages, right? Like, hey, we're doing this DJ Kitty onesie. It's going to be super cool. It's a really high quality item, which by the way, in my opinion, if you're doing promotions, stick with high quality items. If you have a low budget, mm-hmm. go, go in on one high quality items. Don't try to spread that budget out for every game and have a bunch of crap because it'll all get thrown right. in the trash and nobody will pay attention to it. Better off having one item. That's my hot take. Um, but uh, how do y'all bring in new fans into the ecosystem, right? If you're communicating via email or whatever it might be to season ticket holders or regulars, um, hey, we've got this great promotion coming up. How do y'all get new fans into the ecosystem? What types of ways are you getting in front of them? Hey, we've got this great promotion. Sure. And, you know, that's part of that secret sauce of 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 doing that. And obviously there is the the normal routes um, through your paid advertising and, and 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 promo, but it is also with the relationships that we have not only with the local stations, radio, television, our local RSN, which for us is here is Valley Sports, um, Sun, and they really do a great job with that. Uh, but it's also finding those alternative methods, and again, going back to the phone and whether it's the wonderful Twitterverse that we all live on or or whatever it may be. But there's no one certain thing. There's no one silver bullet, right? It's it's really the layering of telling the story. It's the TV commercial tied into the when you get in your car, the radio spot, and as you're driving on the way to work, what do you know? There's the billboard there. We want to be able to hit you everywhere you are. We want to be able to tell the story of the Tampa Bay Rays. We are a you know um, smaller market team. Um, we have made the postseason four years in a row. We, over since 2008, have the fourth or fifth most wins in Major League Baseball. Crazy. We're competing against New York and Boston night in, night out. And here we are, you know, all on a budget type thing. Yeah. And we win. And, you know, and that's uh, the hard thing is, you know, attendance has not been a strong suit, but we have an incredibly strong fan base. And the, the region here, right, is so wide. And our games, Monday to Friday now, starting in 23, start at 640. And then we had them in the school months of 640. Whether it's 640 or 710, if you live in downtown Tampa or Brandon or one of the outlying suburb, suburban areas, you're not going home to work, getting your kids, making it there by first. Right. It's, just, right. it, it's, cha- it's challenging with the traffic. No question. So, but our, again, our weekend numbers are there. So, yeah. And and I think there are a lot of places around the country in all different sports and other hospitality areas too, where sometimes just location is tough. The way that you're structured, the time, the way that your your events are, it just it, it works against you, and you got to work extra hard to overcome it. And I think you guys do a great job of that. Um, so let me ask this question: When we think about, I mean, it is it is very obvious when we talk to you, right? You've got this mindset of, hey, let's create memories. Let's create a ton of fun for our people that come here, no matter what the outcome is. Uh, 
no matter what we, if we have things stacked against us, right, we're going to do our best and it's going to be an incredible experience for people that come. Um, you have that mentality and you've got it across your teams. Um, but when every aspect of that customer journey can really kind of make or break the fan experience, really like technically everyone in the organizations in that fan experience department. So how does your department influence or work with other departments that you don't directly oversee to carry out that fan experience vision that you guys have? Sure. It all comes down to training and, um, you know, for myself, I'm not an introvert. I know you probably would never be able to get that from me, but we're, all, we're always out there. And again, as mentioned, that whole Fanos for a day type thing, getting people out there and understanding. Um, so the difference also with the game day employees that, that work for other third-party vendors, our security, our merchandising sessions, which is Levy, uh, uh, housekeeping, things of that sort. We, we do influence them. We do trainings with them before the year begins and throughout the season to make sure that is a continued thing. But we're up, we do monthly meetings organizationally, and we talk quite often, again, about the impact that our staff has on the fans. And again, the fans are writing in, talking about, you know, their experiences with the, with the, with the game. You know, it's read to the, to the staff. There is a pride that we have. There's a, you know, and again, I don't, I don't know our organization is, is unique from that standpoint. We're all prideful in what we do, but I think we're unique in, in how we do it. And again, it comes down to the training of the staff, the, the inclusion that we want from our, our entire team um, that's there. And again, in how it's reflected outwards, really, I think provides way more often than not just a wonderful, positive, impactful experience at the ballpark. But it, it is everyone's duty, right, to, to do that. And that's why we sort of do that Fanos for Day and we do everything else throughout the year. Do you have a specific like fan experience story where you feel like multiple departments have come together to really just create a, a wow moment for a fan? Do you have anything that comes to mind that you want to share? Just brag, I mean, brag just on your a, people. There's a lot of things. We, you know, one thing that I know other clubs have done, which is the, the whole military, the homecomings, you know, we had someone who came back and was the catcher in full gear and then the daughter threw the ball and. Everyone's crying. Um, one of the greater moments that we had even this year, um, working with um, U.S. Immigration Services, is a uh, naturalization ceremony, and that we had planned in nineteen, but got canceled because of a potential hurricane. And we were able to pull off on Constitution Day um, in September here, which was September seventeenth, and it was the entire organization that really had to come together uh, to pull this off from everything from the press releases to the coordination of, I think we had 25, 28 candidates, plus their families, plus we were providing their tickets and where they're coming from in the parking. So there's just cross coordination all the way around. And then for the game presentation, and we pulled this off, um, it took, it was the ceremony was about 10, 12 minutes, uh, pregame tears in the eyes, uh, not just myself, but many others. And it was just really cool talking about immigration here in the state of Florida, um, not yeah. to get political, but it was it's super great to see. And, um, the judge who was just outstanding, um, right when he finished that, we put him on a golf cart and actually had him throw out a first pitch. 
um, hey, which was also pretty cool. And so these are the moments where sport brings you together and um, puts real world to, to, to use there to see how it all sort of interacts. And yes, it's wonderful that we have a game that we get, I get to sort of watch or be part of on a nightly basis. But seeing these candidates who have strived to become U.S. citizens for years and what it took, who know more about the Constitution than I guarantee you probably a lot of the people that are around, was just so endearing. And our, we will continue to do this year after year as long as we can. Um, so that's truly just one of the best moments that I've, I, and that was this past year, just absolutely loved. I, I love that. Um, and I think it's so unique to, again, the Rays, right? Uh, no, no offense to my friends up in the Brewers, but, you know, probably, I don't know if you're going to have a naturalization uh, uh, day out in, uh, in Milwaukee, but who knows? Um, well, all right, let's, let's close this here. We got one final thing. You had one more note uh, that you wanted to hit on potentially. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's a good spot to close this. We'll probably put it into uh, this new thing that we've launched called Sports Learning Online, and we've got a lot of grad programs in it. Um, we'll put a link in the, in the notes for anybody to get to. But anyway, you wanted to talk a little bit about breaking into the industry. So talk to us about like your thoughts on breaking into the industry uh, and, and where you, what, you, what advice you might give. Sure. So I started late. I, I didn't get my first break until I was 37. And so it's one of those for me, I love it and I don't want to leave. And I see so many people who don't, do not put in the effort for, for jobs. And it is absolutely crushing to me. And we're talking minimal efforts, um, doing interviews. And the, well, literally the toughest question I'm asking is, what have you seen and your research about our organization that really stood out to you? And I, not kidding, uh, I received, including today, two people that said, oh, I, to be honest, I didn't do any research. And so it, it just absolutely floors me. And I'll say this, I don't know whether it's sports or any job. If you don't want to put in the effort to get that, to even look into that company that you might be joining, why should I trust you to actually get the job, to, to give it to you, to, to, to do this? It is not hard. I'm sorry. It is hard to get into the industry. Absolutely. But to put together a resume in a cover letter that explains who you are and why you didn't, why you want to be part of an organization. And I know that some colleges are telling people don't put, don't do cover letters today, which drives me nuts. Cause to me, that's your compliment to, to a resume. Um, then when you do get that interview, put in the research, put in the time, study like you would a test. Um, and it is amazing to me, the people that don't, and those that do though, they stand out. And those are the ones that they become the rare breed, um, which who, I wish, I wish I was like, wish who's not sure. doing a cover letter or who, who is saying not to do, cover uh, that's wild. 60 to 70% of the applicants. I mean, it, it's, I, it's I, that high. I literally just gave a talk earlier this week of like hot takes that your professor won't tell you. And it was a 45 minute discussion around like different things like that. Like, and one of my main things was like, get good at sliding into people's DMS. And, and be relevant, yes. come with a relevant message. Like if you just message me and say, Hey, I'd love to pick your brain. Like, what, what is it? In, what's in it for me? Why do I want to, of course you want to pick my brain. I'm in, I'm in the industry. And 
But if you say something specific that makes me say, oh, this is not just a spam. He didn't just hit apply all and you're actually messaging me. I'll, I'll love to give back. I can't imagine people not putting in that effort. And it's saying, I didn't it's do any crazy. Research. But if people reach out via LinkedIn and like, hey, I'd love to talk to you. I'm doing a project. Sure. I, listen, I, I will talk to people. Why? I'm also selfish. Hey, maybe they could be an intern for me later on, or maybe we'll have a position open, open sure. on. I'm also one of those people that I, I want to see people succeed. And again, I started, I was given an opportunity later in life, which I can't believe saying 37 was later in life, but it's something where I've been able to do some talks, uh, teamwork online does some things. And, and I tell people it's okay to change careers, but what are you willing to sacrifice? And I hate to say it, if you, you know, to take a step back into the industry, maybe it's entry level, maybe it's a little, but you might've made a lot more money elsewhere. You know, the, you know, the sports industry is not known for being high paying, especially early on. So are you willing to sacrifice some time and some dollars to get in? And not everybody is, is willing to do it. Um, I'm glad my wife, not everybody's, that. Not, not, not everybody's willing or able but unfortunately, Able. that's correct. That, that's kind of the reality of what it is. And it's it's not um, anyway, we're going to get into hot take zone. So maybe 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 maybe, maybe we'll stay out of that. But uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think if you're if you want a job, go after it and yeah. do what it do, what everybody else is not doing. And the good news is, I feel like I mean, I remember. So speaking of, of Tampa guys. Uh, I remember Bill Sutton talking to us one time about he gave some some wild stories of different things that people had done to get jobs and, um, you know, at, at commissioning artwork or different types of things. Right. And I, I looked at that and I was like, man, that's that guy. Those guys are going above and beyond. But at, the bar has been it feels like the bar has been lowered so much. Oh, you really so you much. really don't have to do that much to stand out from your peers. But alas. No, I mean, put in minimal effort. And, and again, this, it's not meant to be rude or anything towards others. Um, but just show that you want the job. Just, I, I, I literally am asking, is there anything that you saw on our website or maybe our social channels that made you go, hey, that's really cool. Just tell me that we have stingrays in our tank um, yeah. and we have a dome. And, you know, we started, I don't, I don't know, but it's, yeah. I'm just looking for someone to go, here's why. And I tell you what, though, when those people do show up, holy crap, come on board. Yeah. And I, we've had some totally. amazing interns over the years. So, I mean, prime, prime example of that. And, and we could go on for this for a while, but Katie, who is producing this show right now, sitting on here. I mean, that's why we hired her is one of the things that she did is she said, Hey, I love your podcast. I'd love to help out with the podcast. Here's what I think I could bring to the table. And here are some ideas that I have for the podcast. And I was like, uh, yeah, absolutely. Come join us. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, the first couple episodes she, she did for free just to see if we liked each other kind of thing. And then really quickly, I was like, I can't have you go away now. I'm like, now nah, I got to hire you. And before you know it, she's a full-time salary employee. So, uh, and the business would not be where we are today without her. And she's been an integral part of that. But she really showed, hey, I, I want to work here. And uh, so, yeah, to your point, just minimal effort. It's not that hard. So anyway, um, Eric, any closing words uh, for other senior leaders? I know we just talked to a different, a, a younger audience or or maybe an, uh, an older audience that's trying to break into the industry. 
But any other final words of advice around fan experience and fandom, customer service, customer experience to our senior leaders in sports entertainment? Sure. For me, the, the emphasis is always on the staff and always on the training and making sure that they understand um, your goals and objectives and really are able to emphasize uh, and, and have that empathy with the fans and understand because there's so much that, that's going out there. The past couple of years have been really challenging post-COVID with the masks and all that when service standards have really dropped. So put the focus back on your team, put the focus back on training, create incentives, create a home that they want to be part of. And it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to, co have to cost a lot of money, but they have to show, and, and you need to show that, that you care, give them a seat at the table, give them a voice. And when that can all be done together, the results will show for themselves. Love it. Good as place as any to stop. Eric, it's been a pleasure having you and uh, look forward to the next conversation. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Every, all of our listeners, thanks so much. We'll see you next time. Hey guys, before you head out, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. That helps more of your peers find the show as they search for ways to get better in their own roles. But this podcast is just a small part of what we do at Engagement. In our normal day in the office, we're crazy focused on helping athletic departments and sports and entertainment companies generate more revenue by becoming more customer-centric. To see how we might be able to help your organization, visit engagementpartners.com to learn more. Download a free guide, check out our blogs and case studies, or schedule a call with us if you want to see how we can help with your particular objectives. Our goal is to help you create deeper connections with fans and generate more revenue. So when you're with us, hopefully you find a nugget or two that helps your cause.